far, far away in a galaxy long, long ago. That's the starting of the Star Wars in 1977, the starting lines of it. And it bursts into prominence and to become the one of the most epic, most influential, uh, financially profitable business in the movie industry. You have all the elements of a successful story. They have the superpower of Luke Skywalker, with Prince Leia, the beautiful royalty, and also the carefree smuggler, Han Solo. As we develop into the story, the three heroes become the fierce opposition of the evil empire. And what happened is not just the story, it's the romance between the free love, the free uh, person in the love triangle. Han Solo was deeply in love with Princess Leia. It's the same with Princess Leia with Han Solo. But that's the problem. Because Han Solo believed that Luke Skywalker was in love with Princess Leia. There was a big misunderstanding. But as soon as Han Solo realized that Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia are twins, it all changed and they fell in love with one another and produced the next generation offspring of Kylo Ren, which is the next chapter of the story. This uh, misunderstanding that Hans Solo had about Princess Leia and Luke Skywalker sto almost stopped them from knowing each other and formed this great family. In the same thing today, a lot of us the biggest problem that Christianity has, and people believe in Jesus, is the problem of pain and suffering. People think that if there's a loving God, how can I have all these sufferings in my life and the life of our loved ones? This can be the biggest barrier where people have written off God altogether. Now, if you are with us, uh, Last week, we're in the book of Habakkuk. The book of Habakkuk. Next slide, please. We have to move a little bit forward. We are looking into the book of Habakkuk, and the title is Honest to God. And last week, Veneve has wonderfully uh, explained the background of the story. But today, going to answer this question, why does a loving God allow so much suffering? And today, I'm going to talk about three things about God, three things if you know about the nature of God or the attribute of God. It's going to change our mind about God. How can a loving God allow suffering in our life? In the first few verses that Beneath uh, uh, talked about last week, is his lament, his question to God. At that time, the Jewish nation is full of violence and also a lot of injustice. So he asked God, how can this happen, God? How can we have all this injustice in our country? And now it's turn for God to answer this question. Why does a loving God allow so much suffering in this world? The first thing is God is so wise. Next slide, please. 
God answered with a bang. He said, look among the nations and see, wonder and be astonished. God was answering him with a bang and tells him that just not looking at yourself, but look at all the nations in the world. Be wonder and be astonished. Be shocked because God is so much wiser than us. I remember a recent Netflix uh, series that I've watched. People know me, I love basketball, my son loves basketball. It's called The Last Dance. It's talk about Michael Jordan and uh, how his team in his last campaign in 1998 with the championship with the Chicago Bulls. There's a match, there's a rookie that was playing with Michael Jordan. The rookie was a very good uh, three-point shooter. In the first half, he shot 12 points against Michael Jordan. And it wasn't a good day for Michael Jordan. He only shot two points. And in halftime, he trash-talked to Michael Jordan, something you never do to Michael Jordan. He said, are you Michael Jordan? It's no big deal. Michael Jordan did not talk back. He talked with his basketball, with his hands and his feet. What happened is, in the second term, Michael Jordan defended this rookie, and he only scored two points. At the same time, Michael Jordan dumped 35 points on him. And after the match, he walked to that rookie. If you know him, he's Reggie, Jack, Reggie Miller. And he said, don't you ever talk with black Jesus like that again. God is almost like this. When he said to Habakkuk, look at all the nations and be astonished because I'm so much wiser and better than you. Next slide, please. It's almost like Isaiah in uh, chapter 55, verse 9, it said, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. One of the most brilliant minds in the last century is Albert Einstein. He said we cannot solve the problem with the same level of thinking that we've created this problem. God is saying to Habakkuk that I'm up here and you're down here. What I'm doing will astonish you because I'm so much wiser than you. Everyone knows that I'm not born in Australia. I was born in Hong Kong. And when I was young, I heard of a story, a prophet in Chinese. Next slide. It's, uh, I'm going to say some Chinese character. It's called Toyong Satma. It means that a person called Toyong has lost his horse, but it's a blessing in disguise. In the story, Toyong, that person, he's crazy about horse, so he brought a wrench outside of the city with his son, racing horses. He had lots of beautiful horses. Then one day, the most dreadful things that happened to him, there was one of the fence was broken down, and the horses actually escaped from that big gap and left. His neighbors know about it, and he said to Toyong, he said, you are the most unluckiest man in the world. You've lost everything overnight. Choyung said, well, we'll see. Now, the next day, something wonderful happened. That horse brought more horses back to his ranch, and he was overjoyed. His friend said to him, Choyung, you are the most luckiest man on earth. 
because you have doubled your, your uh, wealth with more horses come to your ranch. Then his son was so excited to tame the horses, he jumped to one of the most beautiful horses, but this horse was not tame, so he tripped, fell down on the ground, and something dreadful that he heard, two cracked noises. It's the, his bone in his leg was broken. It was confirmed when he brought the doctor in and said that, I'm sorry, but your son cannot walk for a long, long time. And his neighbor said to him, Oh, Choi Yong, you're the most unluckiest man on earth because at your old age, you want someone to look after you, but now you have to not only have nobody look after you, but you have to look after your son for a long, long time. Choi Yong said, Well, we'll see. Then at that time, China was at war with a neighboring nation, and they were losing. So they need new blood, new soldiers to come to the battle. But it, it's one thing is inevitable. They're going to lose, and all the young men would die in the battle. When they went to the village, they recruited all the young men. But because Choi Yong's son had a broken leg, he said, I don't want to put burden into the army. We're not going to take your son. So they took all the young men out and left his son alone. Their friends came to Choyong the last time and said, Choyong, you're the luckiest man alive because all our children were sent to the battle and you can be with your son. Just within a very, very short few days, he became the, the luckiest to the most unluckiest man and then the luckiest man. In a short period of time, in a few days, we do not know what the best thing for us or the worst thing for us is. But we know God is all-wise. He knows the future. The word all-wise, in Latin, we have a term for God. He is onisian. He knows everything. God knows not only what happens to us, but He also knows our future. So with Choi Yong's case, he knows that he's going to win at the end. In the same way, we should put more trust in God than a lot of movie makers. We will not walk out of the building in a theater when Spider-Man or I was beaten down by their enemies. You stay put and wait. I remember I went to the cinema for the end games. How many of you have been to the end games? Went to the end games in the beginning, they were all defeated, and even Thanos said all the Infinity Stones was broken. They were in despair. Now, nobody leaved the theater. In fact, they stuck their bottom on the chair for three long hours because they put their trust in the screenwriter and the storyteller of Marvels. And how much more we should know that we should trust God. So how can a loving God allow suffering in our lives because he's all-wise, all-knowing, he's omniscient. The second thing is, God said, continue to say, said, I'm going to raise the Chaldean. They are dreaded and fearful. And later on, God described how bad boys they are. God is using the most dreaded enemy. Now, just a little bit of uh, history. At that time, Habakkuk was in deep a grief because inside of the country, they have in their violence, injustice. Outside, they have a huge army, the Babylonians, which is the Chaldeans. They're waiting to attack them. 
And everywhere the Babylonians attacked, they would kill off everyone in a very dreadful way. So they're in fear. But God said to uh, Habakkuk, I'm going to use your most dreaded enemy and makes you prosper at the end. The only way you can explain is God is in control. He's not only wise, he knows, but he can control everything around us. There's a, a, a term for it is God is sovereign. Next verse is in Isaiah. God said, I have spoken and I will bring it to pass. And I have purpose, I will do it. God, nothing can stop God's will. What God said will be done in Isaiah 46, 11. You say, Pastor Vincent, what you're saying is just Old Testament thing. It does happen in real life, not in a scale that we have seen. I'm going to tell you another true story. If you don't believe me, you can Google it and look up in the history book. Next slide is the Six-Day War. It's about the history of Israel. Now, the Israel nation has been unfaithful to God for a long time, so it was scattered around the world. In 1945, after the Second World War, people are so sympathized with them because of the Holocaust, they allowed them to form a nation, Israel, back into the Middle East. But at that time, the territory is very, very small. They have the uh, uh, United Nations peacekeeping troops to help them during that time. But after a long 19 years, in 1967, things have changed. The United Nations is weakened, and the four nations around them try to destroy them. They align together, and in June the 5th, 1967, they declare war on the nation of Israel. There are four nations. They have the Egyptian uh, army, the Jordanian army, the Syrian and the Iraq army, all declare war on Israel. Now what happened is, at that time, the analysts say that there's no way that Israel can win this war. He said it because they're more than double the army that you have. Moreover, they don't have the weaponry for it. For example, the other, enemy, the other armies have four times the ammunition that they have with tanks. At that time, there's only one business that prosper. It's selling coffin in Israel. And all the cemeteries are fully booked because they have no idea. They don't think they were going to win with four nations around them, surrounding them. Almost like the story of Jehoshaphat at that time. But they believe in God, kneel down and pray to God during that time. He, he, they pray, God Elohim, God Jehovah Jireh, you provide for us. Then they went into the war. And for five days, they fought valiantly. But there's a lot of miracles that happen. Perhaps I'll just tell you just one miracle. They ran out of ammunition and bombs uh, at the end of five days. And the army from Jordan and Syria was marching in to Jerusalem. What they said is, we only have a few bombs left. So what happened is, they filled all their uh, planes with water bombs. I'm not sure you have played with water bombs before, but when, a bomb, when you have the water tied in a balloon, and you drop it down, it's like, and, and it scared the army to death. 
And after a few water bombs, they all surrender and say, we give up. So they took all the tanks and took all the, the soldiers in the last war. And the next day, on the 11th of June, 1967, they have increased the territory, they surrender, and they have increased the territory, if you look at the slide, by over 300 percent. Not only that, they've won the West Bank, the Golan Heights, and most important of all, they have got back Jerusalem as a whole. God can use our most dreaded enemy and give us more back. God can do it. He's in control. He's omnipotent, all-powerful. God is all-powerful, can use any means to bring good to us when we have trouble. Just imagine, you're like a little baby. All your life, your mom is everything that you have. You trust in your mom. Then one fine day, you were brought into a clinic with your mom. The mom takes off your jacket, and there's a sharp needle that goes into your arm. And all of a sudden, from smiling, you burst into tears because you experience the most excruciating pain in your life. You say, how can this happen? But your mom knows what's best for us. If it's no vaccination, we will have more diseases done in our life, and we are very vulnerable to diseases. God is sometimes like this. The things that we most dreaded, the most painful experience for us, can be good for us. So how can a good God allow suffering happen? First, it's because He's all-wise, He's all-knowing. And secondly, He is in control of all the circumstances in our life, even things that we dread. The third thing. Now, after God has explained, it's time to habitat for His uh, lament again. The third point is, God is a loving Father. Habakkuk said, Are you not from everlasting, O God, Lord my God, my Holy One? Keep going. And he said, Why do you remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? Please continue. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Last one. The wicked foe pulls out on them, that's the enemy, with hooks, so the Babylonians is, is exceedingly wicked. They put hooks on their enemies and pull them, and they rejoice and is glad. Habakkuk know what he understand about God, and he used his misunderstanding to go back to God. Now, why do I say God is a loving father? Let me explain. Let's look at the next slide. Now, if you've done psychology, I've actually verified with my son, who is, who is studying disability educator. He told me it's true. What happened? The experts have looked at four different uh, parenting styles in people. They tried to differentiate it by adding the Y and the X axis. The Y, the X axis have on one side, parents that are very stern and no feeling about the kid to very, very sensitive and loving to the kid. And the y-axis up and down is they have high demands for the kids and lower down if no restraint for the kids. So we can look at the quadrum of four quadrum. 
on the right-hand side, you have the authoritarian, like the dictator. They are very stern and very demanding on the kid, with no feeling with the kids. So whatever I say, you do it. My way, no way, and you go the highway. That's kind of, of parents. Now, lower to that, on the right-hand side, is parents who have very stern with them, but have no uh, love for them. So they're not involved with the kid at all. So no involvement with the kid at all. So we can see that a lot of, uh, in this generation, they're absentee parents. They're in that category. Now the third category is parents that love the kids, love little babies, they're so cute, but they don't have any boundaries on the kid, so they are indulged. Now they feel love, but they cannot tolerate and not be resilient in this world because in the real world, they cannot have any failing because the parents tell them they're princesses and prince of the world. Now, the, according to research, the best type of parenting is the one they're called authoritative parenting. The parents who have high demand of standard of discipline to the kids, but also give them a lot of love and attention. So some of the characteristics of that is they allow the kids to talk to them with their opinion and ask questions. So after a while, the kids become independent. They can think as individual and become resilient and responsible people in the society. They also, the parents express warmth to them, so they feel love in the difficult time in their life. And the last thing, but they demand discipline. A lot of middle-class parents do that. They give them a lot of attention, support, and help them. And they, this group, the kids usually grow up as the best kids. Now, with that in mind, let's look at God. God allows Habakkuk to ask questions about, about him. They allowed him to ask and to struggle through all the pains and suffering that he has. God allowed us today to struggle so that our faith can go stronger. Some of you would know that um, it's not just theory, it's practically uh, the same in my life. In the last few months, if you know me, we've gone, our family have gone through a very difficult time. Three months ago, I was one of the happiest men on earth. I have my dream job uh, as a physiotherapist where I can preach the gospel, good income, have good respect from uh, my patients, people lining up to see me. And I've got the best job as a pastor because you have, you, we have the best church uh, in Adelaide in here, and we, I just love it. But all of a sudden, with the COVID-19 that started, I was given only about less than an hour, uh, and I was being laid off because I'm a casual worker. They have to fire all the casual worker first before the uh, full-time staff. So in an instance, I lost my job, and there's a big hole in my financial commitment. Things gone worse. Evelyn, my wife, all of a sudden developed some kind of low-grade, low-back pain and hip pain. And as a physio, I tried to treat her. She was getting a little bit better, but the pain persisted. So we went to see the doctor. The doctor said, it doesn't look good. 
let's have an ultrasound scan. And after the scan, uh, the doctor gave Evelyn a call, and she called me back straight away. And I was shocked. She said, the ovary that you have, compared with the other side, is almost 10 times bigger. We were shocked because six months ago, because of a premenopause, we were scanned it, and she was normal. And all of a sudden, it grown so quickly. So we prayed, and during that week, we, uh, she had gone through a lot of blood tests, ultrasound scans, you name it. She had done through everything. And with her weak veins, she had to poke through so many holes in her arms and was so painful with bruises. We only pray, and we pray that, Lord, please help her. It's only a benign uh, problem. It's not cancer. And we see the doctor. We, we pray that hopefully it's just a keyhole surgery to remove the ovary. But when we, and we prayed, God answered it in a different way. The specialist said, because it's grown so quickly, so fast, we have to open her up with the full hysterectomy and remove everything out. And we were shocked. After the surgery, it went so quickly. But we can see God's hands on it. Because just the day she was admitted on, the, on Tuesday, Monday was the day that they opened the hospital for the husbands to come in to, to serve her. We know that it's the right timing for that surgery. But after the surgery, after she came out, there's few things that went wrong. She was vomiting, and every time she turned to her left-hand side, she had a lot of dizziness. And the doctor said she mostly had the benign vertigo, and she was vomiting because of that. After a few days, she was discharged from the hospital, but she vomited so badly, she had to remit back to the hospital because she cannot drink any fluid. They have to put a drip on her. We we're praying and praying and praying. At the same time, God answered our prayer in a miraculous way. We pray for all these bad things to go away, but instead of it goes away, it comes worse and worse. But God answered it in a different way. My uh, wife's GP was so loving. She called us every day. And when we told her that of her vertigo, she said, my husband is an ENT specialist. And let me talk to my husband. The husband called us back and said, I can squeeze you in the next day. So her vertigo was fixed almost immediately. Even though she had to have a week to settle down, she become a lot better. We know that it's God's hands on this. And all of a sudden, with my financial worries, um, at that time, because I'm also a pastor in this church, I cannot get the job keeper or the job, uh, uh, job saver uh, uh, allowances because of the job that I have. But all of a sudden, a phone call from Evelyn's uh, school said that, we, you are entitled to the job keeper now, which increase the income from, for her, which fill in some of the gap, even though it's not as big uh, uh, the gap that we can fill in. God filled the gap, and we felt that God answered our prayer. Now, through all this, the result is we feel a deeper dimensional living. Now, knowing God helps us with all wise and all powerful, only the knowledge is only flat, it's only one dimension. But when we experience God, our life becomes a lot deeper. For example, when I was serving my wife, because with a big cut from her sternum, 
down to her belly button. It's a long cut. She can't bend down. So every time my wife, after she has all the distance, she drops things, I have to pick everything up for her. And because of the taste of change, whatever I cook, she throws up. And I felt that God is speaking to me how to be a servant, because all the wonderful food I cook throw away. My ego drops in and says, "How can it? Uh, you, you cannot eat my food. It's so good." But I have to focus on her need. And all of a sudden, God speaks to me. That's what a true servant is. Not about you. It's about the person's need. And as we were, um, and she had to gone through chemotherapy as well. And something that we've done for a long time with Evelyn is doing soap every day. Two days ago,、um, we're doing soap, and we read about John the Baptist. He said he had to increase. And we have to decrease. Now, during that day after the chemo, Evelyn start losing her hair, and she comb her hair, she scream and say, "Oh, my hair is losing!" And but my scalp is so itchy. Can you、uh, wash my hair for me? And I was standing there. She was sitting down. She's worried about the hair that she dropped, but I was washing her hair. I was crying. I can't bear my wife losing her hair like that. I cried, but that verse came to me. He said, "He must increase, and I must decrease. For hair is the glory of a woman; it's losing." But God spoke to me so clearly that we're going to lose it one day. Let's give all the glory to God. And does doing soap every day sustain us? During that time, I share with her and share with my community group. With all this, my life become deeper because I know what my priorities rise. I know how to be sympathized. I know that we are so small in this universe now, and I know how to appreciate life. When I do our walking or running, we just run past. But because Evelyn can't walk very fast, I can appreciate. I can smell the roses. I can see the birds now. In First Peter one six seven, it says, "You have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, our faith, is tested when we go through." Now, a lot of you, like myself, have travelled overseas before. If I tell you I'm going to give you a super special budget of a plane that's going to fly very cheap, but the catch is, this aircraft have not been tested at all. Would you ride on that plane? Most probably not. In the same way, our faith needs to be tested today. It's not for God's benefit. God knows it's for our benefit, because we know that how much faith we have, and we can trust in God and trust in ourselves in difficult times. Not only do I become more aware of things and know I need to draw closer to God and fall on my knees to pray to God every day, I also know the difficulty for non-Christian.、Uh, next slide, please. For non-Christians, it's a huge contrast because we know a lot of people who've going through the same problem, and we think to ourselves, if they don't know God. If they don't have the faith in God, if they don't have the eternal hope in God, and they don't know God as a father, how can they sleep? 
What hope do they have? If we believe that we are only uh, accident, we have no assurance of where we're going next. But for us, we know God answered prayer. God spoke to me in His Word in soap. And God used all circumstances of all the love that we encounter from the body of Christ. People start texting. They're giving us money. They cook meals for us. The love of God through the family is so genuine and, and real to us. And God in this space has given us a special badge I told my wife that you, we are, we're like Captain America. We have to go through the serum to go through very strong to become superhero. With this problem that we have with cancer, God has given us a badge to preach the good news to the cancer patients of this world because we know their problem. So how can a loving God allow suffering happens in our life? First is he is all wise. He's El Olam. He's know the future where we're going. He's all wise. He's omniscient. The second is God is in control. He's sovereign. He's omnipotent. He can use the most powerful enemies to destroy the problems that we have. And the third thing, he is a loving Father. He loves us, and sometimes we have to go through a difficult time, but God speaks to us and helps us through all these problems that we have. My application today is, once we know all these, this free character of God, how should we respond to sufferings in this world? Now, if you're not a Christian today, you can remove the biggest barrier, like Han Solo, that you can be in love with God again. It doesn't make sense. A loving God can allow suffering to happen, but we allow that God is loving Father, He's wise and powerful, we can put our trust in Him. In fact, God doesn't answer the why we have this problem. He answers how. Jesus came to this world as someone who has suffered everything that we have. He was spat on his face, he was beaten up, he was betrayed, and he was killed, murdered on the cross. And Jesus said, not why, but how. How can we get out of this problem is to believe in Jesus Christ. And he would take all this pain and suffering away and we can be with him one day through eternity. And if you're not a Christian, and you have wonders in this, um, uh, have wondered about this problem, I hope that this will help you develop your relationship with God. And knowing that God has given this faith of freedom that we have in this world, how should we respond? I know a young man in 1967, Professor Orr, O-R-R, in Wheaton College, brought a group of Bible college students to England to have a study. They went to uh, John Wesley's house and they went into his studies and looked at the manuscript of one of the greatest sermons that ever written. They're very excited about this. Then they went to his library and looked at what resources that he had. They're, they're, they're stoked when they look at all the references. Then they went into John Wesley's bedroom. Next to his bed, there are two big indents on the floor. And Professor Orr said, those two indents 
are where the knees of John Wesley knelt for hours each day. He prayed for revival. John Wesley brought revival to England and around the world. After the two, they're very happy. They went back to the tour bus. And when they're counting numbers, they couldn't find one person. There's still one left. So Professor all went back to the house. No one in the study and no one in the library. And as he was approaching the daughter's bedroom, he already heard someone praying. He walked close to the young man, leaning, kneeling on the same spot of John Wesley. With his arms stretched out, he said, Lord, do it again. Professor Orr put his arm around the young man, say, Billy Graham, it's time to go. Billy Graham knows the wickedness of this world. He's used his freedom so that he can change the world to be one of the greatest revivalists of the world. And today, if we are Christians, we know God's have, have meaning and purpose in life for suffering. We can use this to preach the gospel to the whole world. We're going to pray later on, but as we pray, we're going to ask the worship team to come up, and we're going to respond with a song, New Wine. If you have accepted, if you want to accept Jesus in your life, you can follow the prayer with me. If you want to rededicate your life to God after hearing these stories, you're free to do that as well. So let us pray. Father, we want to come to your presence, knowing that you are God that loves us, knowing that your God is all-wise, you're in control, and you're a loving Father. I pray, Lord, that people who may not know you yet will be removed from the obstacles uh, from not knowing you today because of your loving character. We pray that, Lord, if Christians today know about these things, they can go to preach the gospel with more effectiveness. And also when they preach the gospel, they're going to pray with love, with deeper meaning in their life. Father, I just pray that, Lord, we are not Christians who just say about we know you, but we experience you and have the fellowship of your suffering as well. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.